0: If you're the kind of romance nerd who is obsessed with the TV show Gargoyles, if Shape of Water made you feel a certain kind of way, or if you were disappointed when Belle's love turned the beast back into a boring, gross Uh, man, this is finally your episode. (sighs) Let's go find a monster boyfriend. Romance Nerds. I'm Jen. And I'm Jackie. We're two librarians from Nopal in upstate New York, and you're listening to Raging Romantics. In this podcast, we like to think a little too
1: deeply about romance books. If you're into theory, history, and raging about romance landia,
0: then you should stick around. Please be advised that some of the things we talk about may not be suitable for younger listeners. Content warnings for episodes are available in the show notes. Jen, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready.
1: All right. Let's Let's rage! Rage! All right, Jen, I'm going to apologize for this joke in advance. I wasted all my puns on the Monster Smash pun. Um, what do you call a werewolf who doesn't know that they're a werewolf? A how wolf? I don't know. An unaware wolf.
0: Uh.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's dumb enough that it's funny, okay? <laughs> I like that one. Unaware. I just <laughs> imagine this like himbo running through the woods mm. being like, wait, what happened? My- <laughs>
0: <laughs> I need to read that book. If anybody well, has beautiful. a book recommendation,
1: please let me know what that one is. Okay. Well,
0: thank you to Jackie for thank a beautiful intro. And hello to romance nerds. Woo! Welcome back to our monster follow up after our last episode where we interviewed monster romance author, Julian Graves. <laughs> Thank you again so much to Julian for spending some time with us. And it is definitely a discussion you do not want to miss. It was such a good episode. So please go back and listen if you haven't already. We had a nice deep dive into her book Titan Mm -hmm. and about monsters and writing and life. And her upcoming book,
1: Blood Moon, which yeah. I think is out by the time this episode comes out. So
0: yeah. go check it out. So we got lots of cool stuff yes. to do. So today I am really excited to dive more deeply into monster romance mm-hmm. in honor of Spooky Season. We have teased you for a full month now about doing a full length episode. We've covered paranormal and aliens and fairy tales. And now it's time to finally wander right into the monsters yes. of air. See what this whole monster thing is about and make ourselves at home. So excited. Yes. So, so, what kind of experience do you have with monster romance, Jackie? It feels like, to me, a fairly new genre, so... I w- I feel probably. like I have read way too much of it. <laughs> and I, I fully
1: welcome a monster romance with open arms. Mm-hmm. I am here for it. Like... OG, obviously I was a Twy Hard mm-hmm. and I was Team Jacob yeah. all the lo- all the way. So mm-hmm. like werewolves have been my bread and butter this entire time. And mm-hmm. then vampires, you know, but mostly werewolves. So I think that it's kind of a natural progression mm-hmm. between my love of Kindle limited spicy <laughs> romances.
0: Know. That's an interesting thought. I haven't thought if it was something where like you started on an elementary level with vampires and you went all the way up to like Kraken. So instead of if an Anabaptist, ba- instead of an Anabaptist <laughs> elevator, what is it like a uh, I don't know what
1: kind of elevator are we talking about here? A full moon elevator, yeah. monster escalator, monster escalator. Oh, I like it because you're escalating, escalating as yep. you go. Okay,
0: we're on the monster it's escalator, escalator <laughs> to good books here, folks.
1: That's really nice. Nice, nice.
0: I have to be honest with you guys, it took me a minute to figure out how to approach this episode because unlike other romance subgenres we've covered, this one feels like we are still in the middle of it being established. Mm, I don't yeah. know if you'd agree with that. I, I mean, definitely do. On one hand, monsters have been around forever, but on the other hand, kind of this, this new trend and these new subgenres that we're seeing, it feels fairly fairly like this decade recent yeah so i feel like I mean, obviously, decade, obviously
1: monsters decades. have been huge in popular media since forever, forever right yeah. i mean some of the original like black mm-hmm. and white movies were like dracula yeah um the creature from the black lagoon i think was the title yeah. you know what i'm talking about all that stuff um but then i feel like they haven't really started Expanding into romance yeah. territory beyond the typical like vampires and right. werewolves until, mm-hmm. yeah, even within the last five years, I would yeah. say. And I really think that indie publishing had a lot, had a lot to, do to do with, do with it. That. That's
0: something we're going to cover. Yay. Absolutely.
1: I agree with you. Excellent.
0: So that's why I didn't totally know where I was going with this at a certain that's point because <laughs> it feels like, yeah, we are in the middle of something really special kind of being made yeah. around us. So. I do like that. We
1: got bitten by the monster bug and we're evolving. I just
0: think it's been recent that we've been kind of starting to see those romantic takes on Kraken. Because for the longest time ever, I mean, you'd think that was gross.
1: Yeah. Or at least like it was taboo.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. It It's like forbidden. Yeah. I think the first time I ever read about tentacles in a romance, I don't even know if I can count her as romance, but Laurel Hamilton has her Anita Blake series. Oh, yeah. um, Sorry, not Anita Blake. She has a fairy series. Where the main character, Meredith, uh, meets like a tentacly kind of prints and like the whole time she just discussed how disgusting it is oh i forgot like it's that. done it's done in a very negative light and she's like he's so beautiful but then there's these tentacles from his stomach and it just creeps me out I like forgot. that was the first time i'd ever seen anything like that in fiction mm. and i mean now like when you guys listen to the minisode next week we recommend three <laughs> So we're all about the tentacles in that and one. it's like a difference in less than 20 years yeah. Something like that. So I also have to say, there's still something
1: within me that is like my inner teen, mm. who every time you say tentacle, I'm like... Mm. <laughs> mm. But at the same time, it's mm. like they're fun to read about. Yeah. So I think It's different. There's also been a shift, without diving too deeply into it, we can save this big discussion for the end, but mm-hmm. I think there's also been a shift in readers' mentality exactly. within the last couple of years of, this has been a taboo subject, but I like reading about Mm -hmm. it and I understand the difference between reality and fiction because like right now there's a huge discussion going on about dark romance and Uh, like understanding dark romance uh, like people who shouldn't be reading it quote unquote shouldn't be reading it like teens Mm -hmm. and understanding the difference between fiction and reality and like (sighs) I know that most likely there is no such thing as Nessie. There is a Sasquatch. I know that Nessie most likely does not exist. So it's okay to read about it and to like, yeah, even fantasize it about it a little bit. It's fine. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And they're fun to read about. Yeah. I mean, I think most romance readers are actual adults who know the difference between fact and fiction. Yes. Unlike what most critics would say. Seriously. Definitely. Teens do not read dark romance. You should not be listening to this podcast either. (laughs) But (laughs) this is your caveat
1: now. We are going to be talking about very spicy things in this episode. I mean, with a limit. I still want to keep my job.
0: Yes. But yeah. (laughs) So with all that in mind, knowing that this is kind of like an emerging genre. Yeah. As always, if you don't agree with me or if you have a different take, please let us know at RagingRomantics at Noble.org. I might cry a little, but since it's all online, you will never know for sure. <laughs> and
1: I can filter it for Jen. Yes. So
0: I will not tell her if you say super mean things.
1: I will just complain about it to my boss and he will agree with me. So,
0: <gasps> Agree that I'm bad? No. He'll agree on our take oh, that they're bad. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. So, not yeah. that you're bad. Just no. different opinions. You're wrong. Okay. <laughs> And obviously, I cannot forget to acknowledge Northern Onondaga Public Library for letting me have a whole discussion about tentacles without getting fired. So thank you. I can't promise you can easily find Monster Romance in your local library, but why not stop by one and make sure? Hey, I just ordered Titan for oh, or Syracuse,
1: yeah. and it has already been checked out. <laughs> so uh, if I can get it, and if the
0: cover is uh, front-facing appropriate, I will definitely buy it. So you heard it here, folks. If you live in Onondaga County, contact Jackie with book suggestions. I
1: will definitely buy them. Have no fear. <laughs> I'm known as the fun librarian for a reason, okay? So one last quick
0: note before we dive in. There is some very affectionate oh, no. slang for monster readers out there. If you're online, obviously, like Jackie is, you already know what that is. But I am not going to use that term because I don't want to owe Jackie money. Okay. Can,
1: okay. No monster fudge. No. Your- Okay, Fudger. Fudger,
0: nice. I'm not gonna say that like seriously. Monster Fudger, all the Monster Fudgers out there. Yeah, but you know what we're talking about by that. <laughs> so on this podcast, we are using Monster Boyfriend or Monster Romance as applicable. But you might get different results on your own research if you use the correct names and terms. I just don't want that hanging over me by googling it on my work computer. <laughs> like I so want to be able Michelle. to look the IT director in her eyes. So like, there's certain things I did not Google here.
1: I'm so scared to do any research. Yeah.
0: So with all of that, let's go see what's really creeping around in the dark. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Well, I think you're going to be especially ready because we're going to start off by thrilling you. (gasps) I think you're going to really love this little bit of info. Okay. I know I just said monster romance feels relatively new, but we do have proof that humans have actually been attracted and appalled by monsters for generations. Are your folklore senses tingling, Jackie? I'm ready. Are you tagging? What do you yeah. think I'm talking about?
1: Um, well, there's so many different cultures around the world that have had monster stories throughout yeah. all of history. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the Kelpie stands out as like one of the top ones yeah. of monster mythology that I can think of. Obviously, Sasquatch. Oh um, werewolves, <laughs> vampires, um, mm-hmm. um um, goblins. There's a uh, there's a Russian myth that I can't remember off the
0: top of my head, but I know that. Okay, I'm gonna let okay. you talk. So, I mean, no, I mean that was pretty good. I wanted okay. you to be a little more narrow, so we're gonna help you out here. Okay. Fairy tales and myths have been writing about animal grooms and uh, brides yes, into yes. their stories since about forever. Yep. We have been marrying humans off to tigers and snakes and swans and frogs and on and on and on for a very long time. We've talked before that a lot of folklore was meant to teach some kind of lesson or provide an explanation for something in the world. Today we are just counting the myths that basically tell you please don't sleep with Zeus. Okay. But broadly speaking, the human partner has to prove some kind of worthy value or go on some kind of a quest to get rewarded with another human partner. So depending on the cultural values, you might be teaching a young girl to be patient and loving with her spouse, even if it's a frog. Or if you're cruel to your wife, she might find her seal skin and swim away I from you. About exactly. You might also want to listen to your parents and not elope with some handsome stranger because you could end up married to a hyena man, which are all very real myths of people marrying these kind of animals. Okay, slash but listen, human what creatures? kind of hyena man. It is <laughs> You know, I'm thinking since the myth was told in a bad light, it's oh. probably like a gross guy. Okay. I can't say it's like a handsome hyena man. And I mean, hyenas have such a bad rap anyway. Do. So probably it's a bad thing to be married to a hyena man. Okay. I don't think I could stand the laugh every day. <laughs> that was a could stand good my one. laugh. I don't know. I don't think it's that far off. <laughs> Okay. Carry on, though. I'm sorry. Carry on. Monsters usually relate to some kind of fear or anxiety we have. Yeah. A lot of these early animal spouse stories originated when arranged marriage was the norm for most of the world. I think it's reasonable to assume that these stories were meant to calm nervous partners, you know, mostly like young women. Let's be honest. Yeah. Mostly young women. Yeah. And give them some advice for how to deal with this new scary reality. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting dragged from home. You're meeting this stranger, possibly. Your, your entire existence is changing. And I could see how that's like... kind of beastly and monster oh that especially like i did see a bunch of articles that said straight up yeah this is definitely to to reassure nervous virgins about Mm. what might be happening on their wedding nights
1: oh that's not reassuring though at all well see because the whole
0: point is as Jackie already gave you a rundown in our folklore episode a while back, so longtime romance nerds already know all about Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. So we're gonna throw it back to the Prince de Beaumont, Le which Prince de Beaumont. Yeah, whatever her <laughs> and her quest to use fairy tales to impart good morals and values on young girls. Mm. So yes, speaking of. St- Beauty and the Beast she took the original version of that story and really watered it down so the beast does not ask to sleep with Belle Mm. and they cut out all of the pleasure dreams Belle Mm. had about a handsome young man so it was very um Stayed. Stayed, yeah. <laughs> Clean,
1: that. if we will. But she
0: also writes about a bell that is very self-sacrificing. Mm. That fits a lot of the feminine values that were important of the time. And most importantly, finds love for a beast who isn't handsome or witty, but mm. kind and respectful. Mm. So it's actually, if you read the, the section in the book, like Belle goes on this whole mental, like, how can I be so mean to this beast just because he's ugly and stupid? <laughs> and kind of, yeah, back to like, maybe I'll, on the face of it, it doesn't seem like it should convergence or calm people at all, but it's kind of saying more like, you know what, if you were a nice person, your husband can change into a nice guy back. I know, you're rolling your eyes, but that was kind of one of the ideas yeah. of these myths. And again, why they're so popular, because you see these myths in just about every culture.
1: You know, I also had this thought, and I was thinking this until you reminded me of Prince de Beaumont, was... Like how many, and we've talked about this before in the past, how many of these stories were transcribed by men, right? Right, And we've obviously talked before Mm -hmm. about how even if you're doing a straight transliteration from a a woman's writing into a man's writing, just by the act Mm -hmm. of you being, um, sorry to go binary here, but you being a man writing down this, you're going to write it from a man's point of view, right? So I, I was wondering about how much of this is... A man's take on monsters.
0: You know what? That's an interesting question. I didn't think of it that way because I read in another article that actually most of these folklorists were women writers. Okay. And it's really just like the the Charles Perrault. Perit guy, Peril, thank you, who wrote Cinderella, yeah. that, like, that kind of got plucked out. Okay. And this was almost not, like, this wasn't exactly, like, an outlier in that her version of Beauty and the Beast went so big and it was so popular. I think it was just kind of, like, the signs of the time. And mm. I guess the the original version that she got this off of was, like, real confusing and complicated. Yeah. So and it she, was a
1: woman who wrote that one. Yeah,
0: exactly. So it does seem like a lot of these lessons are being passed down by our mothers and, fo- and like, okay. sisters and aunts. Okay. And it's just, yeah, maybe, like, the really big versions or maybe men. get interpreted by a man. The other thing I was thinking with the animal thing, I don't think it hurts that by making all these women marry some kind of animal man in myth, their very human husbands look a lot better in comparison, right? Like, yeah. I'm terrified of, of barracudas, so if <laughs> you were going to tell me I was going to marry some barracuda boy or a total human stranger, I'd probably be really happy with that stranger. Yeah. So, I don't true. know. What what animal are you scared of? Bees. Bees. So, like, if you got a bee man... Would you be like, no? Give me the the weird stranger. Yeah, I'm also mildly allergic to bees, so <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it could potentially be really dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. And I think I think that's the one thing that's really interesting is when we look back at the history of monsters, they're always like these really evil, awful beings to be defeated or cursed individuals that need to be freed.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Like it's it takes a really long time for us to kind of see it with any more gray. That's interesting
1: that you point it that way because I just had, like, a neural connection mm. of, duh, of course monsters come from folklore. Yeah. And, like, now they could very closely hold hands, but mm-hmm. they kind of are very divested yeah. now. But, obviously, at their origins, they were a type of folklore mm-hmm. and a type of a story that had a purpose mm-hmm. like fairy tales and folklore did. And it was
0: a story, too, of what not to do. Yes. So, there was this really interesting thing I read, too, on, like, the birth of monsters and how you can give... how monsters are kind of created and a lot of it was things like you don't worship god in the right way you are you do the wrong things during pregnancy you're Mm -hmm. not polite to your spouse in in a very romance (laughs) i don't know you might have to cut this out okay but in what i think would make romance authors very happy there was um, one theory that too much semen would make a monster and too little semen would make a monster yeah so like they had some of these things that were like very kooky on the face of it But then you kind of read in between the lines, and it's like you know some of these are kind of like genetics. Yeah, it's just like treating yourself well during pregnancy and like not having children with somebody who maybe has these other health problems. Or I'm thinking of the Minotaur myth. Yeah,
1: where she uh, slept with a bull bull. mm -hmm. too, and she had Minotaur. It was Zeus's fault. It was was Zeus's fault. fault. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. Um. But I think I mean, if we move past that, we could easily see it
0: as a story against cheating. Exactly. Like, there's all these little things in there that kind of are like, hmm. don't do this, don't do this. So, I think it does take a really long time for us to kind of shift our focus.
1: Interesting.
0: hmm smart. And, you know, it's not just in our early folklore we see this stuff, but in our later stories and movies, too. King Khan and the swamp monster do not have happy endings for the monster. No. Usually, it is all about having this kind of ancient creature thrust into modernity, and gets obsessed with the white woman heroine, mm-hmm. and the strong striping hero has to go and defend that. Mm-hmm. So it usually ends up seen being seen as kind of like this modern, like this challenged modernity that has to be contained. Except for Godzilla, because Godzilla, like, Godzilla was with Godzilla, a man. I guess I should say too, most of these are like American based.
1: Yeah, that's true. Western cultures. Western culture. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: it's going to be very different because Godzilla was in response to the the atomic war right yeah yeah, yeah. so like that they, they have a totally different viewpoint yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is just like no we got to protect our very narrow viewpoint like we've made um the heroines like this idea of purity and like keeping things the same and mm. you know the hero the heroes have to solve things with violence which is a really big deal in these early movies because it's not like they ever just send the monster on his way
1: yeah they all they all have to get killed Sorry, my mind's racing like, through okay. all the monster movies I've watched. Mm-hmm. I'm like,
0: oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Poor Frankenstein. I know. Yeah, things like that. So that's probably one of the reasons why people get so confused by monster romance today. It's really only in the last few decades that we've started to imagine different takes on monsters. We've stopped wanting to fix or kill them. And now we want to understand them to really understand all the nuances of their existence.
1: I will say when you say we've stopped wanting to fix or kill them, there is still always that narrative in a romance story of there is like it's either like the Mm ex or like this other male figure or like this other part of society that's like, oh, my God, what? Mm -hmm. What are you doing with whom? That's true. So I think that there's still, like, an interesting mm-hmm. dichotomy between those okay. factions. I'm doing pincers right I now guess with my I, hand.
0: <laughs> no, that's fair. I guess I compare it to, like, the really early folklore where there was, like, way more focus on kind of those, like, on those characters to, like, as we move on to more of a Gaston character. Yeah, that's true. There's a difference, I think, between the two. As, again, okay. as we're giving, like, the monster more humanization, as more character, is more, like... In normal, like in earlier days, Gaston would have been the hero. Yeah. Gaston is now very much the villain. Yeah. Of his own making, really. He's a giant walking red flag. (laughs) Yeah. He literally wears a red Mm -hmm. shirt. So I kind of want to talk for a really quick minute about where this newfound take on monsters came from. Because now we've established, yes, we have had this whole kind of foundation of monsters in our myth and our folklore. But to me and Jackie, it does feel like... A totally different aesthetic
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the last couple of years, really. Can I say my theory really quick? Yeah, please. I think it's
1: because our generation is mm-hmm. finally writing the stories and we all grew up watching Beauty and the Beast. <laughs>
0: Maybe. But, you know, there's been versions of, hum- of Beauty and the yes, Beast for years. there has been. I mean, and Belle has changed generation to generation because, again, in the very, very beginning, she was very self-sacrificing. I mean, her whole point was like, yes, please make the Beast like me so I don't get murdered. And now it does feel more like she's brave. She's trying to kind of like make her own path. She makes the decision of like, well, I'm going to be with the beast. I'm going to save my father. i think it's a little bit tweaked there is still kind of that like no i have to make him fall in love with me to like so i don't die i still blame disney yeah i mean disney's fault at a lot of things and it's not (laughs) going to change either because disney's movies make so much money they're not going to try anything new no you know that was the big problem i read with beauty and the beast was like it was just a remake yeah didn't do anything cool and interesting not like with with maleficent Mm, yeah i love that movie so So. much all right
1: okay jackie i'm ready you're
0: not allowed to be too excited by this. Okay. you just, you're not. I will restrain myself. We'll see. Hopefully. But from the articles I've read, most people seem to credit Moan for Bigfoot by Virginia Wade as being the foundation to the new monster romance I can't. Trend. I'm sorry. What? Uh, <laughs> <funny. laughs> and actually, that's the new title. It's not the, it's not the, the <laughs> what? The, the, I can't say the original title on, on audio. Oh, on I cannot morning. wait to Google this on my personal computer later. Published in 2012 under a different title, like I said, Oh that my goodness. Uh, the normal population will not be hearing me say because <laughs> I like my job. It is about Bigfoot and his mom kidnapping a group of women to procreate with him. I'm going to be honest. I haven't read it, but it sounds more on I the dark gonna side. I am going to read this tonight. <laughs> all right. Well, you can let me know because it sounds like it's on the dark side to me, but a lot of people have referenced it. So I'm just going to give you guys all the facts. This is what people say is kind of like the start of our new monster trend. Are you okay, 2nd I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm like, like crying <laughs> in the corner. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just Bigfoot. it's <laughs> <is> so... Okay.
1: <sighs> okay, we're good. I'm sorry. Do you want to react need- to
0: the cover? The cover's really bad. Okay, hang on. I to- Again, thinking about how beautiful the covers <gasps> are today, the original cover is like a Photoshop nightmare. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so 2012. Yeah. It's an anthology. Yeah. Well, because she ended up writing a bunch of them. Oh, my God. The first God. one was just one, and then it ended up being crazy popular. So it had a slow start. Apparently, she only made like $5 the first month it was out. But eventually, she moved that up to 30000 a month, and she sold over 100,000 copies in 2012 alone. There are 15 books in this series. Yeah. Well, you know what? If it works, it works. You keep going. You keep I, writing about
1: Bigfoot. I will say they all have terrible reviews, but I am <laughs> yeah. so reading this. And
0: since it was so popular, Wade started writing a lot more. I don't know if she writes currently. I couldn't find anything on Goodreads. But Uh, she did did branch out into other kind of monsters. Not just Bigfoot, but she does have like 14 Bigfoot. The name looks familiar. Big Feet. I don't know. (laughs) But she proved that it was obviously very profitable and interesting. So other authors followed with their own take on monsters until 2014 when online retailers started to feel a little squeamish about some of the content they were selling. I do have to say, it does seem like some nosy kind of reporter talked about, oh, look at all the Bigfoot on here. Ah! And I think it did kind of cause a bit of a backlash where Amazon looked at these items and were like, eh, maybe not. Should this be on here? Should it be? So after the bad press... In what is now known as Erotic Gate, ah! Amazon and other sellers started yanking erotica off their websites. If you remember from our banned book episode, Amazon has sort of a broad list of content violations mm. that is not super clear and they kind of apply as they like. So Moan for Bigfoot another other erotica op- got banned. Mm. And to be fair, some of the monster stuff was pretty questionable. It definitely did not fit all of their contents. Uh, but, but like Moan for Bigfoot, it's just, yeah, it's just dark romance. Yeah. Probably. Like I said, I didn't write. you'll have to let me know when you read it. I will because to me, like I'm so surprised that people are saying, oh, this is the foundation. this is the start. I could see it being maybe the start of the interest. Mm. But if they're if a group of them are being kidnapped, yeah. probably not. it probably is just straight up erotica. yeah, without any kind of romantic subplot.
1: I'm betting he's gonna be a shapeshifter. I don't think so.
0: And there's some weird stuff with the monster. Oh, I cannot wait to
1: text you later oh about this. Okay. Oh, I'm
0: good. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> You're so excited. <laughs> so, for a while during this whole uh, era, the only place you could buy Monster Erotica was Smashwords because they refused to censor nearly as much yeah. as Amazon had. I honestly still have a lot of questions in general about Erotica Gate, but I didn't want my focus to sift <laughs> too much. So, I, maybe one day we'll have a mini-sode about it because it does seem like it changed a lot of the landscape at the time. Yeah. Like, it was a big deal back then but for today my impulse is to say that other monster authors toned their books down in response to this and to avoid getting banned so they moved in more of a romantic direction but i can't say that for sure that's just kind of my thought i will again i will have to read and Thank let you. you know well it's just it makes sense to me that if okay moan for bigfoot and what it was originally yeah. called is obviously very overt on what it is and it's <laughs> I feel like it's missing some of the softer elements of that make up like dark romance even. Okay. It's not like, it doesn't seem like it has a romantic subplot. It's not really about Bigfoot, like starting an emotional relationship with these women.
1: I understand. You know?
0: So I could see other authors being like, okay, I still want to write my Bigfoot stuff, but maybe I do have to kind of add in like a little cuddle or something. Yeah. Make them a little sweeter. You have to like give the characters more layers than just like, I need a baby from Bigfoot. (laughs) That, but don't quote me because I need to do some more research. But I could <laughs> see that kind of being the trajectory okay. for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Still, like we just established, Moan for Bigfoot is out there now, inspiring other authors and readers. I think the other big author to happen is our beloved Ruby Dixon. Yes. We love Ruby. We can definitely have a discussion if aliens should be considered monsters or not. But the popularity of her blue-horned, spurred aliens, I think, have a lot to do with widening the field for everybody else. Mm -hmm. It opened up the potential for different kinds of romantic heroes and heroines and proved to everyone else that there was interest and profit, which is always like the most important thing. And
1: during this time, I think that there were still... Ruby obviously wasn't the only author writing about weird aliens. But it just
0: took off for her. Yeah. You know, I'm sure probably like if we really did some deep dive, like there's similar things and probably not the only one. Though I do remember her saying this was an idea she'd always had. Yeah. Like she didn't say if she was inspired by anybody else or not from what I remember. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I think you're right. Yeah. So I do think she is like a major pioneer in this particular field. (laughs) And she's still writing in it. Yeah. So obviously. Yeah. It's obviously working for her. And then maybe this will make you happy too. I think TikTok was a major influence. It definitely is. Just because monster stuff would go viral, providing the kind of attention and advertising moan for Bigfoot could never have dreamed Mm of. A lot of monster romance also have very dramatic or creative plots, if Mm -hmm. I can put that very kindly. (laughs) So it was an easy thing for a lot of content creators to use for clicks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Because I definitely saw videos that I did not watch, but I saw videos of being like, look at this crazy minotaur book I've got. Ugh!
1: I will say, yeah, when I yeah. make like a monster romance recommendation video, it's like, oh, my God, this was so crazy. Like mm-hmm. this, this, and this here are like big talking points. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's definitely like I'll use a hashtag monster romance. And it's this own little mm-hmm. niche of TikTok.
0: And does it does that do better than your other recommendations? Is it comparable? It's comparable. I've
1: mm-hmm. uh, I mean I'm in a couple different communities On TikTok mm-hmm. so it's like it's all part of Spicy Book Talk obviously um, But I think that Monster Right now especially this time of year Is trending better than the rest Of what well, that's I see it's fair
0: too because it is Halloween Yeah, like you are in the mood for like monsters. You know something a little different yeah. You want a headless horseman or something <laughs> And I also don't want to forget how important The pandemic probably was to spreading interest In Monster Romance mm. A lot of people were stuck at home Maybe by themselves or maybe getting irritated with everyone else they were (laughs) stuck with. And you know what? Sure. Let's try out some orc or kraken or spider thing or whatever because the entire world is upside down and I'm open to lots of new things. Mm. So the rules have changed. So let's give everything a try. Jillian
1: did a really good job of talking about that in our interview Mm -hmm. with her.
0: And just remembering to that period again. Yeah. Yeah. I I did some weird things. Not to say that monster romance is a weird thing, but I could definitely see people who might have like poop hot it. You know, even a couple yeah. months ago being like, I'm staring at the walls otherwise. It's like I've read through everything else. I need mm-hmm. something new to read. I think um, the author who did Morning Glory Milking Farm had a really nice <gasps> quote. Yes, thank you. I did not. I was not confident saying her name. So I, didn't want to I say got it. you. <laughs> But she said something about how I think people have been trapped in their houses for two years and things that were unacceptable are suddenly okay because we had nothing but ourselves for company. I'm so serious. I feel like people have gotten a lot more okay with themselves and the things that were previously really kept on the DL, which actually I thought was a good point and not just like being comfortable like reading it but being comfortable with yourself kind of being interested in it
1: i think that too i mean if you look at discussions of why tiktok took off Mm -hmm. during this time period a lot of it has to do with the same thing is a lot of people like getting more comfortable with themselves themselves. and talking about Mm -hmm. what they like to do or what they like to read and finding like a similar community Mm -hmm. online and i think that spicy books especially monster books once you find that niche and you find people who like it that's all you want to
0: talk about Mm -hmm. speaking of kindle unlimited oh boy as much as amazon had a role in stifling monster romance in the beginning i mean they also kind of helped yeah i mean kindle unlimited program encourages people to try a lot of different kinds of content for free Mm -hmm. and this is not an ad or endorsement for amazon i'm absolutely not but i am saying honestly i was very careful and picky with the books i bought before because i didn't want to just waste my money or my time on stuff like that wouldn't end up being good because I i got burnt a lot. You know, I would actually yeah. p- pay for like a five dollar book and it'd be terrible and it was so disappointing. But if I've got Kindle Unlimited, I already spent the ten bucks. Yeah, sure, I'll try the Minotaur book. Why not? Yeah. So I think that was a major factor too, at least for Amazon users and which honestly is is most people. It yeah. just is. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, SmashWords. I'm yeah. sorry, Kobo. But like It remains one of the most accessible It does. <laughs> and accessible. So I would say Kindle Unlimited is a major part. And oh, yeah. Just like all those things together kind of created the perfect storm for why we are doing this episode today. Because yeah. it's gotten to the point where it is in my feed. It's now on the library shelf. Here we are talking about it. Yes, I will say it was also on the metaphorical library shelf long before because
1: there's a lot on Hoopla. mm
0: So That's true. But we don't always pick the hoopla stuff. It's a package, which is a whole other library conversation that is very boring to normal people. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. But no, I think like you said,
1: all this stuff kind of all coming together at the same time Mm -hmm. has created an atmosphere where now we're like, yeah, monsters, give them to me.
0: Which I think brings up a great point of why do we even like monster romance? Where did the storm even come from? I'm slightly terrified so. of this part. so <laughs> We're going to be really careful because I okay. don't want to get fired. Okay. Okay. So very carefully, I will say probably one of the main reasons I have seen and what me personally have has considered, because I thought about this like all month. I think it ends up being a very safe space to explore lots of kinds of desires. Mm-hmm. It's very similar, I think, to dark romance where... It's like a a total escapist from reality. Oh, yeah. Whatever you're kind of interested in, it feels very safe. Because obviously, any world where orcs exist is very, very, very fake. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry. It's just there's no such thing as orcs. Sadly. It's very sad. And you know what? Maybe you don't want to explore something specifically in a contemporary setting. But if you're hanging out with centaurs. Yeah. You know, it's obviously fake. Like, the goalposts have just been moved so far down. I think also monsters are already seen as so monstrous. Mm. Like, what? Are you going to shock him? <laughs> <laughs> so I want just- that book. <laughs> yeah, oh, the, the blushing monster. Oh my gosh, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like there's less baggage that comes with living in the modern real world mm. that you can apply to either like a contemporary monster or a contemporary, or like a, a monster that's put into a fantasy realm. Yeah. Mm hmm okay okay yeah and again I, it, I see a lot of parallels with that in dark romance where it's like a very safe space to explore things and i don't want to be specific because again it's a work podcast <laughs> we could definitely talk about it offline so i think too it's kind of like
1: we've exhausted everything else it feels like mm. so to get mildly like still pg-13 about it but we've exhausted the BDSM club like yeah. ad nauseum mm-hmm. and like personally I'm like oh look it's another BDSM club where they're mm-hmm. doing spicy things whoop-de-doo but then if you throw like it's like a monster matchmaker and I'm like <laughs> oh okay it looks for you, I'm it's, here you know, there's like new appendages Well, not only not only that, but it's like uh, add a little bit of spice, Mm -hmm. right? It's like something
0: new, something different to the tried and tried and classic, true Mm -hmm. like tropes that we know. And I I remember too a lot of what Julian Graves was saying about things just being more intense, Mm. and the rules are not as strict in these kind of universes. So yeah, you can really play around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and just have a lot of fun
1: because we talked about this in our paranormal episodes both the vampire and the werewolf um we talked about how these heroes were kind of an answer to a need for something bigger and badder in the world that was going on Mm -hmm. and again it's not that we've really necessarily exhausted monsters and or like werewolves and vampires but it's that monsters add like a new layer because now Mm -hmm. we have all these new type of characters that we can talk about being bigger and badder Mm -hmm. we have gargoyles with yeah Prehensile tails and skin made of stone mm-hmm. and we have lake monsters who yeah. are guarding lakes and trying to keep
0: from water pollution. Again, thinking about that monster escalator. yeah Like we start with paranormal with the wolves and the vampires and they just go S- 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 here we are. Shape of water. I'm looking like at you, kid. We're getting like less and less humanoid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean you could go all the way up to aliens. Yeah. So can Do you think have- aliens are at the top? I don't know. We should have this discussion. We will, but I do want to make another point about... Okay, okay go for it. I think um, the other really giant thing that I know we are probably guilty of not talking about enough for us, I think two-monster romance can be a really safe harbor for people who've never felt accepted by mainstream mm. standards. Yes. So when you look at th- like things like women or queer folks or minorities... Where you're constantly told like something about you is not right. You're not acceptable. You have to change. Or even to
1: go more literal, mm. talking about ableism in romance Yeah, books. that's true. That's There's a big too. There's a lot of too.
0: able-bodied, mm-hmm. the
1: majority of traditional romance, yeah. I would say up to a point, is about able-bodied mm-hmm. people. And monsters are quite literally an examination of somebody who doesn't fit that two legs, mm-hmm. two arms, whole body, mm-hmm. like non-disease presenting exactly. person.
0: And I think if you don't feel accepted in you know what we consider mainstream society then yeah because something of our, else monstrous yeah. probably looks really attractive
1: one of our arguments for werewolves was that lycanthropy is just another um it's a metaphor for a sexually transmitted disease yeah so mm-hmm. yeah i like that that's a very good point i think
0: it's a really big point and especially for why they're so why it's gotten as big as it has been too in indie spaces yeah because you can't really sell this stuff in a mainstream because it's about kind of rebelling against the mainstream yeah Mm-hmm. And, like, making your own kind of relationship world views like... Cue rent music. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make it too renty. <laughs> but I think that's something that we miss a lot just for mm-hmm. us too. Yeah. So I did want to make sure I definitely throw that yeah. out there. No, that's a very good Super point. Super important. I think that is, like, a driving force mm-hmm.
1: behind Monster is that it represents, metaphorically speaking, it represents a larger portion of society. Yeah.
0: Than what we normally yeah. Uh, value. Yeah. And I think, too, there is a re-examination happening of what monsters are and what's actually considered monstrous. Mm-hmm. Like, going back to what you said about how our generation grew up listening to Beauty and the Beast and reading and kind of thinking about all this stuff. And now we're kind of like, well, like, did the Beast really have to change? Yeah. Like, why was that the happy ending? Was that, on one hand, yeah, he started off as a human, turned into a Beast because he was a little jerk. But, like, he spent 10 years in that form. Like, why, mm. why was he the one who had to change? Why was this whole kind of moral of the story about, like, Love so redeeming, it'll save you. And let's be honest, the Beast was a lot
1: hotter than Prince Adam. Oh
0: my god, Adam was basic.
1: He was so basic. <laughs> he was like whatever.
0: He, he was could. another mini guest. There on. is no way he could have taken on all the wolves like no. the Beast could, I mean, or come like on. yeah, or like had done all the cool like house stuff, or like the, like I want to go. Like- Plus, he's tall enough
1: to reach the top of the bookshelves. Yeah,
0: that's super important. <laughs> so you know he can probably hang a TV mm-hmm. all on his lonesome. Adam could never. OK, I just think we need different things out of our monsters today. Because yeah. If they used to be a warning, if they used to be like, don't do this, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to end up with a hyena man if you do this. Or <laughs> if it's like you have to be nice so that you do get like your pretty prince at the end. I think at this stage, at least in our generation, our era, whatever, I think we are kind of like, well, why does it have to be like that? I think, too, that we
1: also have to mention that there are stories where it's not, like, either beast or man. There are stories, a lot of, like, shapeshifters, like werewolves, where you have the beast and the man, Mm -hmm. which I really like. It's like, why choose? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) not to go into reverse harems but and just
0: as many times too like yes there are lots of big questions a lot of monster romances about like what is the monster yada yada yeah and like even just in subtext and what we're talking about today but some of it too is just like a total acceptance of who you are yeah you know like a lot of the the kraken books i've read they don't spend a lot of time like oh i'm that a, I'm I'm a, a monster i have these creepy tentacles i must no, live underwater they find heroines that are that they love themselves and the heroines love it too yeah can we but talk it does about depend on the
1: book can we talk about Omegaverse at some point?
0: Yeah, if you want to. Okay. because do have you want to talk
1: about? So, okay, we can talk about this now. Yeah, please. In my brain, Omegaverse is always linked with werewolves, but it's yeah. not.
0: Mm-hmm. If, is it? You know what? I kind of hope it expands one day. I don't think Omegaverse necessarily counts as monster. I mean, I kind of know where you're going with it because there is like, is werewolf monster? Like, what is a monster? Yeah. But I think it's really interesting that it is based so much of all these wolf characteristics that have been proven false. And yet there's no shapeshifters. But there's no shift. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they shift. It really depends on the world. But I think what would be really interesting is if they do take Omegaverse and, like, put it in other kind of animal characteristics. Mm. Like, there was a joke online for a while about turning it into, like, birds. And, like, how birds um, find all these treasures for the mates they want to get and dance and do, like, all like these beautiful, penguins. like, nesting. Yeah, and just, like, totally shift it. So I don't know if you would still use, like, the Alpha Omega characteristic- characteristics, but, like, you could potentially do something else with it. You can expand it another direction. Mm. I mean, Omegaverse is still so new. You could have like a wolf version and a bird version.
1: Dragons. Mm-hmm. You could very easily have dragons because like a dragon horde, a dragon nest. Yeah. And there's some characteristics about dragons that track with Omegaverse. Mm-hmm. So And I
0: mean, Omegaverse and werewolves are already kind of blurring together. Like I just read Kate C. Wells had a whole thing about wolves that felt very Omegaverse at okay. the same time. It just depends. If you're wondering what the
1: heck Omegaverse is, go listen back to that episode. We don't even have I have my eyeballs opened. <laughs> so,
0: But I think that is a good question of... Okay, so we have all these things of like... Yes, this is why I think monsters are so popular for some people. But does that include vampires? Yes. Werewolves? What we, is a monster? Because we've had these discussions for so long in the podcast when we had our werewolf and our vampire month. So this is, this is my thought. I think because... Some of the aspects of vampire and, and werewolves don't necessarily fit under these categories of what you're looking for in a monster romance. And because vampires are already so big, like, mm. there's so much vampire fiction. I think you, I don't necessarily think vampires when I think monster. I think mm. if I want a vampire book, if I want a J.R. Ward, if I want a Christine Fian, if I want a whatever, I say, I want a vampire, I go find a vampire. Yeah. Not the same as a monster. And I think it helps, too, that, like, there's just not enough Of the individual monsters yet. So maybe one day there will be so much orc fiction. We can't be like I want an orc book. I'm ready for that day. But I think until we have more orc stuff. Or more kraken. Or more whatever. And I think as long as they have maybe different needs. Mm. Than what the things we just listed. I think they are going to get grouped kind of under that monster.
1: Yeah. I think that we've kind of touched on the fact that obviously this is all under the umbrella of i would say paranormal romance mm-hmm. like this is all under that like mini umbrella underneath the bigger yeah. romance umbrella but i also think that like you said vampire is its own separate right. like little frog it's its holding a thing. parasol above itself
0: if i want a vampire book i there's something specifically that i'm looking for yeah and i'm not necessarily looking for It in monster. Right. You know? Because I think for the most part,
1: a lot of vampire books that we talk about are like they're like these aloof members of society and they're they try to display their human characteristics until like their monstrous appetite Mm -hmm. takes over or whatever. Like that's a classic vampire story. Whereas I think with the monster, they're living as a monster either twenty four seven or they're trying to suppress these monstrous character characteristics. Mm -hmm. So I think in that aspect, I think a werewolf while it is its own trope and it is its own subgenre mm-hmm. underneath paranormal, again, I think it more comfortably fits into monster mm-hmm. than vampire does.
0: I could kind of see that. I mean, I guess if you want to be really, really technical, sure. They're all ma- they're all monsters. Yes, yeah, exactly.
1: They're all like classic Hollywood but, monsters. But like
0: librarians love to categorize <laughs> things. We're we're adding little <laughs> numbers and like headings as and we go in our in our cabinet in our little catalog. <laughs> we're flicking through the cards. <laughs> Something about vampires and werewolves to me don't feel like they fit. Because again, I think. If we're going with a monster elevator or monster (laughs) escalator (laughs) thing, they're not all the way at the top. No. You know, they definitely, to me, they still look like humans. I think that's a big aspect, too. And yes, a lot of these shift. So, like, definitely the Kraken heroes, (laughs) they have like a human. (laughs) They all have like a human form. Yeah. No, I was just thinking because
1: the Kraken one I just read by Katie Robert, he doesn't shift. Oh, so he he does that for 100% of the time. Yeah.
0: So it depends on the book, but to me, it does feel different. Yeah I think that's where I'm struggling so much with this episode is that it feels different and I kind of know why it feels different but it's so contrary to some of the things we've said before about vampires and werewolves and I don't totally know where it fits all the time. Yeah I think
1: yes. That vampires and werewolves are separate. I think that werewolf can like step into monster every so often. Mm-hmm. I think vampire can too. But I don't think it's necessarily there as much as it was when it was first being written. Yeah. Like Dracula was a monster. Mm-hmm. And like there was no doubt Dracula smut written in like the 1910s, yeah, 1920s. Definitely. I have no doubt of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bella Luigi, mm-hmm. he just inspired it. He couldn't yeah. help it. Come on, guys. But I also think that maybe we should... Maybe we should be pioneers,
0: Jen, and we okay. should
1: put forth a definition.
0: Oh, it's going to be hard, though, because it's, like, like, it's still being creative. It is. Because, you know, I can't actually see a, a vampire fitting under, under a monster, but, like, it depends. It does depend. I think it would take
1: some very specific characteristics to make yeah. a vampire a monster. Mm-hmm. So what are some characteristics that you definitely identify as... That's a monster in a romance story. In a
0: romance story. Definitely how humanoid it is. Okay. So something so more like, yeah, exactly the form. Like a kraken is just, it's got tentacles. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> An orc is like massive and green. and Tusks. Tusks and different kinds of, um, t- 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 different kinds of body parts on the, <laughs> on the story or a minotaur or a centaur or a any gargoyle. of those kind of like, yeah, like definitely the form I think is a big thing. How accepted they are by society can be a thing. Yeah because I've seen a lot of stories where they're kind of on the outskirts mm-hmm. there are some stories where yeah sure monsters are open but then it's very much a magical realism universe
1: yeah mhm i'm thinking of cm Nakosta. she yeah. wrote a
0: mothman one mm-hmm.
1: um but in her story it's kind of like monster she's the one who also wrote the minotaur but yeah. um it's like this whole separate uh, monsters live in the same universe as humans but they have like their own little towns and cities mm-hmm. so it's kind of like that magical realism where humans can live and work there and interact with the monsters yeah. if they want to um and it it yeah I don't know where I'm going with that. But yeah.
0: <laughs> I think if we're going back to one of the Greek definitions about monsters being something that appels and attracts at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think if the creature makes me feel like that where it's so different to me, but it's still attractive. Mm. I would put that under monster.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm flipping through my mm-hmm. monster list here on Goodreads. And I see dragon. Yeah. I see a hybrid beast by mm-hmm. Ruby Dixon. Um, I see Minotaur. The dragon again spiders orcs easter it, bunny <laughs> i, I forgot don't want to say one. it's
0: a problem but one of the strengths and one of the difficulties in this is because monsters are so big and broad yeah not physically but like but the also, monster, physically. also physically but just the subgenre is so massive and creative where you can shove all of these different kinds of monsters yeah. into this realm like you can just go through wikipedia pick whatever monster you want to turn into a romance and like there you go you, got, a, you got your monster character
1: yeah Um, What about aliens? Are aliens monsters?
0: I want to say no. I mean, I know I I just... They could be, but I think because sci-fi is such a massive genre, there's already alien romance, it doesn't feel like the same kind of need
1: yeah we talked about this i think in the alien episode we talked yeah. about is alien paranormal or is it sci-fi is it both and it is sci-fi because yeah. ultimately it's set in space, in space. world mm-hmm. and like another in like, futuristic futuristic yeah. something sci-fi-y and not so much paranormal where paranormal is set in an earth-like setting that we can identify as like mm-hmm. oh this is planet earth with humans um, and
0: not in the future yeah that I really hope thing. this is an interesting conversation yeah. for you guys librarians really love categorizing <laughs> things. well I'm just envisioning this escalator in my head and yeah, I'm like, like okay well it's the, it's the top so I think as long as you have consent that's like the very top but otherwise you could have like a, just a mass of, of, of snakes and like slivering maybe that's the very I think top. I read a book like that yeah <laughs> you know how like biblical angels are supposed to be like hideous and yes. ugly and like full of different parts and eyes and stuff like I feel like that's the very top So, uh, yes, I would say
1: the very top, I just read A Soul to Keep by Opal Rain, Mm -hmm. which he is, um, it's the Duskwalker Brides, and it's kind of like a death monster, Mm -hmm. pretty much, where he has a skull for a face with teeth and a tongue mm-hmm. um and he's very tall and he yeah. has claws and like that's like the top of the monster mm-hmm. escalator yeah. for me and then at the bottom i would say yes we have the um i would say at the very very bottom we have aliens and vampires yeah. and then maybe one step up we have werewolves it's like your starter monsters yeah yeah intro and then above that maybe some orcs because i think mm-hmm. that orcs get a they're lot still of like pretty
0: human like they're screen and yeah, tuscan, yeah
1: and i think that a lot of the stories with orcs are a little
0: like. Easier to step into, maybe mm. they're more fantasy. It depends, yeah. I feel like most of the orcs I've seen have been fan. Those are some office romance I'm seeing with orcs. That is true. There's a it's lot depending. of office That's romance. That's what I mean. Like, it is so massive. Why is there office romance with orcs? Because it's fun why not <laughs> we're already that's, writing about you works know that's the whole thing i think one of the things i love the most about monster stuff is it feels so fanficy to me yes that you have all these tropes and you have all these ideas and you have all these histories and backgrounds and it is totally up to the author to pick and choose and twist and revise into whatever kind of shape they want as long as it's a happy ending like mm. i just love how people put all these crazy pieces together and they're like yes let's have an orc Office romance. It's probably like enemies to lovers, most likely. I'm sure he's got like a terrible, tragic backstory at the same time. It's like, it's like just the stuff they do. And like you were saying, a lot of this is already from folklore. Yeah. So there's already that world building that you can build off yes. of. Yes. So depending on what kind of vibe you want to give it, you either are trying to challenge a lot of orc stereotypes or you are leaning into them and creating a plot where it's like, all right, so the orc is like a really scary creature, but mm-hmm. this is why, you know, he's the hero anyway. This is why he's a fluff yes love it or this is why like the dark romance is going to work because he's still like a worthy guy even Mm. though you know yeah he's big and scary and he's everything that we've ever said about orcs he still likes to Mm -hmm. cuddle or in the office environment where he's constantly trying to be like you know i don't actually pillage jackie (laughs) that's good to know thank you that's my thought
1: All right, Jen. So now that we're wrapping up, Mm -hmm. I have a question for you. I love
0: questions. That's why I became a librarian. So and
1: Jillian Graves inspired this question. (laughs) So Jen, the question is, Mm -hmm. what monster is in your heart of hearts that Mm -hmm. you would write a romance story
0: about? Let's see. If I was an author and I wanted to write a monster romance. Oh, this is so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Like could be anything too it doesn't I, have to have like a name like so describe I it i could just make it up like, no i definitely want to i feel like it would be really fun to do a minotaur and really mm. lean into the labyrinth stuff
1: Ooh, there's i a lot don't of good see enough there. of that i want more minotaurs yeah i think
0: minotaurs would be really great but at the same time there's something about a kraken i really like i don't know what it is maybe because i don't live next to the water So, like, the ocean stuff is just particularly fascinating to me. I'm not going to speculate (laughs) on anything specific here. No. But there is something about a kraken. Maybe it's Pirates of the Caribbean. Maybe I just like that guy's face. Yes. Davy Jones. Like, it is really interesting to think about the stuff that has affected you. And, again, I did not want to do any weird research on my work (laughs) computer. But thinking about how Julian Graves was really impacted by the show Gargoyles. I'm just wondering what weird stuff has been in my background to be like, yeah, I think minotaurs. Or maybe, like, I do kind of like an orc, though. I mean, so you oh. were like me, and you
1: had a big Greek phase growing yeah. up. So that That's might why be I'm part like, of the minotaur. minotaur. I think,
0: would be really fun. Yeah. And, like, they, it would be so cool to do some labyrinth stuff. And actually, you know what I would do? Okay. I'd be really crazy. I think what I would do if I could do anything is I would do a kraken and a minotaur. And one of the big conflicts would be, like, well, the kraken has to live in the sea, but the minotaur has, like, this labyrinth Wait, to, so, like, the kraken protect. and the minotaur together? Yeah. So it would be, like... <gasps> Well in the reader too. Okay. and the heroine, so it'd be oh, a threesome. Okay. I and like, like it's it. like very much like you're stuck between all these different worlds Ooh. and I think eventually it would just be like you you dig a tunnel into the labyrinth and everybody can live together in the cave or whatever but it would be a long process of like she's a witch she finds out that she's a witch and yeah. she has magic to like make this mm-hmm. island like Cersei
1: oh it could be like yeah. a Cersei, Cersei retelling mm-hmm. where she has this magical house that yep. she can transport the minotaur mm-hmm. into and there's a labyrinth where he can like stay safe oh like dark romance mm-hmm. like in um that book I made you read Den of the Vipers where <laughs> there's a uh. the crazy guy in the the basement yeah. and he lives in the basement <laughs> <laughs> like he has to have the mm-hmm. labyrinth to maintain his
0: sanity see Aww. something like that because i love those stories where it is two like very very different people together and they have to figure out how to compromise and yeah. that's a lot of compromising a minotaur a kraken and a like a witch human human i don't know some like kind it. of human person Mm-hmm. very fun so that would be in my wildest fantasies my heart is equally divided between those two but i am open to other kind of monsters yes yeah. all
1: the monsters there's a
0: lot of fun monsters yeah. that i still have not seen enough of yeah okay well my mind we need more lizard people yeah there's a lot of
1: uh fun things you can do mm-hmm. with those stories Yeah. because so i sent jen a picture of this i'm i'm on twitter and not very deep on twitter i follow a lot of art <laughs> it's like skelly frankie not safe for work um <laughs> And so she just put one out there for Tiffany Roberts' Kraken series, mm. and Jen and I were like, "That was not what I pictured, but okay." Oh yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Oh,
0: okay." the The heroine was very, very Lizard. lizardy. Not what I pictured. I was at not all. expecting that. Yeah, and, so, and that's nice too about the books is you can picture whatever you want, really. Yeah, yeah. You can make it less or more monster. And then I like going to the artists and seeing yeah. what their interpretation what is because it's fun. Mm-hmm. So, Jackie, what okay. monster is in your heart? Okay. Um, it, well, I think
1: it will surprise nobody that it's related to forest. What a shock. Oh, my God. If you say uh, Bigfoot, no, I'm No, no. So, not necessarily Bigfoot. Like Good. I think my monster is some sort of amalgamation of every forest monster mm-hmm. you can think of.
0: How many forest monsters are there? Okay. So, maybe there's only like four So, like Bigfoot, monsters. Mothman. They're not Mothman. Well, like a troll. Werewolf. Okay. Some
1: sort of like... Yeah, troll figure. Troll but I also read a Baba Yaga one recently where Baba okay. Yaga was a monster, like, reverse harem leader, and she, like, sucked all these men into her lair. Uh-huh. So that was really fun. Monster women are really fun to explore. That's true. But I think it would be, like, heroin living on the edge of the woods, like, horror-esque, and there's, like, this... Um, so have you seen M. Night Shyamalan's The Village? No. Oh, never mind. I don't see anything. <laughs> That's true. This is, I can attest to that. I made her watch The Witch one year. And it was, she was good. Like, Ooh. Um, so like she lives on the edge of the forest and there's a monster that lives in the woods and like, don't go into the woods. Mm. Like Red Riding Hood ask, right? But then she goes into the woods and he mm. kidnaps her and he's like, I can't have you. I'm too monstrous. I can't let you. So like Phantom of the Opera, don't look at me. I can't let you see me. Mm. Um, and then she does and you know, he's like really hot and furry. So.
0: I think you just need a werewolf Oh bear shifter Oh that's bear But again Like if they're shifting They're still kind of yeah, human Yeah Yeah it's very hard when you try to get to the categories. And this matters to nobody else but us as librarians. <laughs> I'm very sorry if you just have been waiting for us to get to a point. Yeah, we don't have a point in case you can't tell. Hey, you know what I read, though? What? Do you consider Phantom of the Opera a monster? Because some people were trying to compare the two. So if I'm going to be like the curtains aren't just blue, <laughs> I, think,
1: <laughs> I think he is an allegory for a monster. Okay. And I think very much like... Kind of Quasimodo esque, where mm-hmm. there's another monster we could talk about. Um, they're not real mo- They're just
0: humans. I know, exactly. <laughs> and
1: I think that's, if again, allegory, curtains aren't just blue. I think that it's, um, yeah, these are monstrous forms to the people at the time that I think, yeah, I would go off of the Phantom. Yeah. Who wouldn't? I mean, Raul was just a pretty boy with a carriage. Yeah.
0: The Phantom, he can sing and he can act and he has but a But at the cape. same time, he did drop a chandelier on a bunch of people. Yeah, but they were mean. They were. I mean, I wasn't crying And exactly. prima donna. I was like, Shh. And like, he probably should not be kidnapping Christine or confusing her into thinking, you know, he's his, her father's ghost. I mean, there, there was some dark aspects. Oh. <sighs> I need to read a story like that. Now. It's not fluffy. exactly. No, it's a dark but romance. I was, I was surprised that people were kind of trying to compare the two. And again, it goes back to like, maybe I don't know what a monster romance is, but I know it when I see it. Exactly. Yeah. That's maybe a good point. I hate for that to be the conclusion. I feel like I wasted a lot of your time. No, but it's hard. And I think maybe we'll have to have um, a, a follow up in a couple of years when monsters are more established. If we're still here, yeah. if we, this did not get us fired, yeah. if my boss never wants to hear me say tentacle again, <laughs> <laughs> or a Sasquatch. <gasps> uh, <laughs> well, yeah. that's not happening.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that the answer is there is no answer. And we can't mm. identify a monster except to say it's a monster. Yeah. That's all I got.
0: I think the only thing that would be more interesting to talk about is if there are specific aspects of specific monsters that appeal to people. Because, mm. like, what is it about your mon- your foresty thing that you want to write Like the Minotaur, I feel like bad for the Minotaur because he had like a really bad rap. He's got the cool labyrinth. He ended up getting murdered. Like he, like I would like yeah. to give him a happy ending. I've always felt like pretty bad for the guy.
1: I'm trying not to delve too deep into the psychological reason for this but like so I'm an outdoorsy person I like to be in the Mm -hmm. woods I like to be up in the mountains like away from people (laughs) and like my ultimate dream one day is to live in a cabin in the woods Mm -hmm. surrounded by nature and nobody else (laughs) and I would love
0: um, a a, a, a monster I guess to just wander out of the woods (laughs) yes but a nice monster a nice monster yeah that's fair you don't want to live in a dark romance Mm, I don't know if I could handle a dark romance with my mental state. <laughs> <laughs> but I do wonder if some people like just really prefer orcs for some reason. And yeah. won't read any other monster for, I'm pretty equal opportunity. I yeah. do like a kraken, but yeah. like I'll read anything. Yeah. Um, cuz yeah, I I like I like the water, which is weird. I guess I don't live next I guess I do live no, sorry, I don't know why I'm babbling <laughs> at this point. I don't, I don't you know how much You live next to a lake. I live next <laughs> to the river. Yeah. I don't know how much to reveal about myself, I guess. <laughs> But it's, yeah,
1: it's something different about the ocean versus the yeah, lake. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and
0: yeah. I don't know, go hang out with the the water and like yeah. all the cool stuff undersea.
1: Anyways, dear listener, what is your monster yeah, that let us you know. uh, think of, that mm-hmm. you like to read, that you, do you have a definition of monster romance?
0: Mm-hmm. Did we turn you on monsters or off? Because we did get badly at the <laughs> we end. We have like, been I don't babbling know.
1: for so long. I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. Not really. Um, but don't forget, you can always email us, raisingromantics at nipple.org. dot mm-hmm. org um and yeah that's all i
0: got it was beautiful (laughs) thank you just keep the monster alive in your heart yes happy spooky
1: season tell Mm -hmm. us what your halloween costume is i am gonna be principal trunchbull from matilda Oh my gosh, what do you, okay, so Jen and I are going to the party yeah. together and we have to bring a food dish that's related to yeah. our costume. So, what are you bringing? I'm chocolate cake Uh-oh. to go with the Matilda. Damn, I was gonna bring chocolate cake too.
0: Well, no, too late. I said it <laughs> first and I already emailed
1: Nicole. Okay. <laughs> well, so I was gonna be Jillian Owens from Practical Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, Midnight Margaritas are a part of that. Well, so then
0: bring alcohol. I don't I'm drink. going to. Yeah, but I was also gonna
1: make chocolate cake because you eat chocolate cake for breakfast. Oh, well, it'll be both. Whatever. Okay. I'm going to have, have like a chocolate a cake, cake off.
0: Pfft. You'll oh, win. I don't know why you would want to <laughs> embarrass yourself in front of people you don't know,
1: but okay. Well, listen, your cake is going to be all gone because it's so delicious. So I have to make a <laughs> backup cake. There we go. Okay. All right. Well, in that I case- think
0: that is a beautiful intro, uh, talking about your costume <gasps> to what we're doing next month. Witches! Yep, so spooky season's gonna go on Because we just can't have enough scary stuff And I really wanted to talk about witches Yes, so we are gonna do one more spooky episode And then we are back to, I guess, normal, boring Not <laughs> that we're ever boring
1: <laughs> Just normal stuff And I'm going to say it is definitely a Jackie episode Yeah, so we'll see Be forewarned mm-hmm. Okay, well on that note Clear your calendar I guess, Jen, what do we always say? great Bye, guys <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sasquatch. <laughs> All Awkward the Sasquatch. God, there's no Sasquatch priests. <sighs> Why not? There could be. Because there's no Sasquatch. There could be. They're interdimensional beings. <sighs>